coming up on Inside the NRL. It's a two-horse race, so who will be named the next Gold Coast Titans head coach? Plus, we cross to Penrith winger Josh Mansell. And after their Golden Point victory over Melbourne, are the odds now in favour of Manly to take the title? decided by two points and of course Manly and the Melbourne Storm going to that golden point. What a round of rugby league. It's great to have your company on Inside the NRL. Michael Chamis, Jamie Soud back on deck and we are going to get your top eight predictions mm. but first we need to go to some breaking news and there's a bit of movement happening out at the Penrith Panthers. Michael, what can you tell us? Yeah, look, a little bit of talk around Regan Campbell-Gillard's future at the club. I know the Parramatta Eels have shown interest. They've been in discussion with the Penrith Panthers over the last week in regards to him being released from his deal, he's got five more years to run there, uh, Regan Campbell-Gillard, still at the club, on massive money. So the Paramount Reels are willing to take him, obviously at the right price if Penrith are willing to chip in. Uh, those discussions are happening at the moment. He hasn't got formal uh, a formal release as of yet, but discussions are happening between the two clubs and whether he's allowed to negotiate with Parramatta, we'll find out in the coming days. But Regan Campbell-Gillard could be on the move if things work out between the two Western Sydney clubs. Okay, and is this a bit bizarre? I mean, he's another player that uh, is seems to be getting sold off um, after Gus Gould made all these deals and Gus has now left. Is this something that Ivan didn't like, the deals Gus was doing? Well, there's a few guys that have been moved on. Obviously, Dallin Wateni Zelezniak is no longer there. Wanga Blake, no longer there. We know James Maloney's leaving the club. Now, Regan Campbell-Gillard's in a situation where if he wants to stay, he can stay. He, obviously, Penrith have been playing off the bench. He played reserve grade earlier in the year. Ivan's got a different idea around where, the way to roster, the way to manage their roster to, to what Gus had. So. It's a lot of money. We're talking about $900,000 a year that Regan Campbell-Gillard's on. It's a lot of money for a prop that's going to be coming off your bench if that's the way they intend to keep using him. So if that's the case, perhaps Parramatta want to you know, pay a, three quarters of that money and get him on a, on a better deal. It's a long time though. Five years to take him is a long, long time if you want to... Yeah, given the fact that his form has dropped probably dramatically since he made his State of Origin debut last year. So I, I don't know, Jamie, do you think that's a lot of money for a prop if you are planning on using him off the bench, it's probably a smart move to let him go. Yeah, well, I said he was the best front rower in the game last year, this time last year, after what he'd had uh, coming through the state of origin and then played for Australia as well. So it is a lot of money, but he capitalised on that. I don't think we can count another person's money. Are Penrith happy to let him go? Like, would you, Did you get the sense that they're happy to, to let him walk if they can pay some of that salary? My understanding is they had a conversation with him over the last month or so around his future. Now, they haven't, sort of, they haven't told him to go. But I think he knows, he, he knows that if something comes up, that the club will entertain it. My understanding, I spoke to people at Penrith, they'll chip in a little bit there if he was to, to, to get a right deal with some other club. From my understanding, that would happen. So whether they want him to... I think they're happy for him to stay if he wasn't on $900,000 a year or, or close to that money. So that's a lot of money. I think they think if they let him go, bring someone else in the club, they can manage their roster a little bit better than the way they have at the moment. Who do they look at? I mean, who does well, they, they get $1.6 million, essentially. Yeah. I mean, Maloney was on seven hundred. dollars Regan Kimball-Gillard, 900 So what do they need at the moment? You know, do they look for some more depth in the outside backs? Well, they've got that covered. Do they shop for another front row? There's no real big name out there that they could spend all that money on. Maybe they just upgrade some guys. The concern was how much they were over before they let these guys go. Because if they didn't manage to get rid of Dallin or Wunga Blake, that would have been close to, if not more, than a million dollars over the cap. And now James Maloney's going. So now they're well under, but they would have been well over if they weren't able to move guys on. So Ivan Cleary's come there, and you saw from the very start, he said, this is no longer Phil Gould's decisions. We need to organise a committee. And they clashed heads a little bit there in regards to the way they manage that roster. And now it's become 
Ivan's just taken over this roster and thought, you know what, I need to put my fingerprints on this. And having guys on long-term deals, Matt Moylan had given a five-year deal, Bryce Cartwright a five-year deal, Regan Campbell-Gillard a five-year deal. All these guys, and we don't know what's going to happen with Regan, potentially, barely saw out a year of those five-year deals. So I think Penrith are looking back in hindsight and thinking, what were we doing at the time? Wow, that's, that seems insane. When you rattle off those three five-year deals. That's yeah, but that, not, not necessarily. You look at the time, Matt Moylan was playing Origin, one of the best fullbacks in yeah. the game. You lock in the local kids. So Bryce Cartwright was a local kid. So you look at, you're locking up the future at the time. You don't under, we don't, uh, I guess, estimate how bad form dip is, mm. you know, trouble that go on in personal lives. Regan Campbell-Gillard signed an extension. So it wasn't like these guys were off contract and they were, they were offered a five-year deal extension off the basis of there's the local guys coming through, marketable, marketable as well. So I probably a couple of years too long, but in terms of locking down your locals, you try and make the club happy and try and make the locals happy as well. Well, I think I actually think this would be good for Regan Campbell-Gillard if it was to come off because, you know, you know, a slight change can be sometimes good mm. as a holiday in terms of going somewhere fresh. He's been OK the last six weeks, Regan, since he was He's had dropped. two major injuries as well. Well, he hasn't been the same since he broke his jaw, has he? Twice yeah. he broke his jaw. That, the so. one against Joe Warrior Hargraves last year after making his Origin debut, he hasn't been the same player since. So confidence... Maybe a change does yeah. he the best. Yeah, I, look... I, I don't think it's bad for either club. Parramatta Eels are on the lookout for a front row. We know that. There's discussions with Christian Welsh at the moment whether they can bring him to the club. I reckon they can get both of them does, to the Does club. this hurry Christian Welsh up in, in making a decision? Well, potentially. If I'm Christian Welsh, I'm starting to think, hang on, if my, the money that they have... Because Parramatta have tabled... They won't be able, will they be able to afford both of them? I think they will, whether what they want both of them, given the fact they've already got Junior Paulo there. That yeah. Money-wise, it's not an issue. They can afford... Because they'll have a lot of money. A lot of money. Parramatta, row. yeah, a hell of a lot. lot of money to spend. So it's just whether they want to spend money on two props when they've already got Junior Paulo. OK. Well, keeps your eyes peeled on NRL.com. Michael Chamis will have the latest and breaking. But let's head to the sunny state and the Gold Coast Titans head job uh, for that coaching role is down to two people, Kevin Walters and Justin Holbrook. Who gets this job? Well, from all reports, we're hearing it's Kevy's if he wants it. Now, whether that's whether he's the best man for the job, we'll have to wait and see. Um, Justin Holbrook's doing fantastic things over in St Helens, so you'd have to think that both those guys put their resumes forward and can both do a job. But, look, the, the problem I've got with the Titans, and you think about the players, how they've gotten rid of the last two coaches. Now, for me, they get rid of Neil Henry, they get rid of uh, Garth Brennan through player power. That's what we're hearing about the Gold Coast Titans. Well... No one on that roster has the right to be able to drive a coach out. There's no one more successful on that roster than what the coaches have been. So the next coach that goes in needs to be disciplined in what he's doing and make sure that the playing group is right behind everything he's doing because if it's going to be another player-driven club when you're coming last, that's, just, that's not going to solve any of their problems at the moment. Does it surprise you that Kevy is being... No, because he was close production. at the Brisbane Broncos, I thought. Yeah. Um, I just think that... What he's done in Queensland now, well, whether he whether he wants to keep coaching Queensland or whether he thinks he's ready for a full time job, you're going to have to we're going to have to wait and see. But you'd have to think of the Gold Coast Titans they want a Queenslander. Justin Holbrook's done fantastic in uh, the Super League. Does he want to come back to a club that's going to be right at the bottom? Because whoever takes this job on needs to needs to realise that if it doesn't work, the Gold Coast Titans they haven't seen out a plan with the coach yet, yeah. and they will get rid of you. So. Uh, and the roster, while it's a, it's a good roster, they do need to make some sweeping changes. Their recruitment needs to be better. Mal Meninga is the perfect person to help usher that through. But unless they get eight to ten wins and start getting results, it's not going to matter who the coach is. Let me ask you this, Jamie. If you're Justin Holbrook, do you take on the Gold Coast job or do you sit around and wait knowing that it could be a job at Canterbury in a few months' time? Oh, 
it's a tough one. Look, I think that the Canterbury job would probably be more appealing to Justin Holbrook, knowing that it's in Sydney. Uh, you've got a big Bulldogs fan base that you can go to. They've got some good youngsters coming through. Plus, in a year or two, but both those clubs, they need to see how to plan. Well, the two most important things as a coach is, one, resources, two, salary cap. And to me, the salary cap the Dogs is going to free up. We know that. Next year's probably going to be difficult, but the year after will be great. And resources, Canterbury have long spent a lot of money yeah. on football. So they're the two so things as a coach. you talking resources as facilities or are you talking resources? Oh, facilities and how much they're willing to spend as well. The Gold Coast Titans in terms of their football operations, in terms of how much they're willing to spend for the coach. And you know, we've had coaches in the past not being happy with, with Trent Barrett, obviously, with what happened at Manly. There's, there's so. more problems at the Gold Coast than there is the Bulldogs. I think you become in the Bulldogs, you turn that team around in, in a year mm. with, with the salary cap. With freeing up some of those contracts, you, you move on, you get a young base, you're in Sydney. The Gold Coast Titans, I... Mal Manning is the only thing that's appealing at the moment to the Gold Coast Titans, if yeah. you're going there. Uh, and that's, that's a bit of a worry. Jai Arrow as well. I mean, we, we were He's actually talking that. about the top players at that club and when you look at their roster, it's a bit concerning. Arrow, James, Wallace, all these guys are all representative forwards and they still can't manage to get one, a sellout crowd, and also wins on the board. With all due respect to those guys, but the problem the Gold Coast Titans are in at the moment is they're paying superstar money to a guys who are a tear down. And mm. Jai Arrow, Jared Wallace, you know, AJ Brimson got a bright future, Ash Taylor, none of these guys have entered that level we're talking about. Jai Arrow. Jai Arrow is getting there. No, he's, he's there. He's the closest. No, he's there. Yeah, well, if you Jai count Arrow's one, in the top... Maybe one. Eight, that's about ten it. forwards in the competition. Well, that's not top tier. If you're in the top ten tier, I'm talking... Superstar, Tom Draboyevic, Kalen Ponga. Jai Arrow's their best player. He is their best player. Queensland lost that series because Jai Arrow didn't play. Is top, Jai, if he's their that's best player, they haven't got a best player well, he was their best for, the he was, it was Him and Papali were their best yeah. forwards. Jai Arrow would have counted everything that Jake Draboyevic's done. He was, he was their best player. That's not so, the point, Jamie. They're paying, they're paying the money for guys that you'd pay to top You said yeah, they didn't have a top-tier player. Jai well, he's not the top, top 20 players in the game. You need someone, this is what you need to do if you're the Titans. You need to get your recruitment right. You need to stop, like Callum Watson's come over. He's a fantastic player in Super League. Did they need to pay all that money to get someone in Super League that's played over there and come out and, and an outside back? No. Did they need to pay Shannon Boyd? They just keep looking for quick fixes at the Titans and it's not working. Mm. They need to, someone to come in. Mal Meninga gets the next coach who comes in with a plan with salary cap, direction of the club, longevity of the club and regardless of the first two years, they need to see it out. Garth Brennan wasn't a chance to see it out. They've moved on again. If they're going to keep replacing the coach in two years, they're going to get nowhere, the Titans. Yeah. Is it hard, though, because Mal Meninga is friends with a lot of these former um, players who are now coaches or wanting coaching gigs? Does that make it hard for him to make a decision when he's close with a lot of them? I don't think it's Mal Meninga's decision solely. That he, put, he obviously was the one who started this review, but there's more than Mal, Mal Meninga making these decisions. I think Justin Holbrook... The raps on him are greater than they are on Kevy, and Kevy's reputation obviously would help him a long way. And given the fact that he's had the Queensland job, I just don't know if the Titans can take the risk on someone who actually never has coached a day-to-day -day NRL, well, coached in the day-to-day -day environment. We're talking about a guy who's been there for Origin over three games a year. Justin Holbrook's been around the scene at many clubs and coached in England. He's got the St Helens to the top of the ladder, so. Mm. It's a big risk for me going with someone like Kevy, despite his reputation and his experience. I don't think he is a proven NRL 
candidate. Yeah, well, Justin, we can take a look at his statistics. He's got a 79% winning rate at the moment over um, in the Super League coaching St Helens and only lost three games this year. So he's doing pretty well. Uh, we did hear from a couple of the players over playing for him, saying that he is one of the best coaches um, and a man manager, which both of you yeah. keep talking about. I've had him as assistant coach. He helps Steve Price. They actually play each other in the Challenge Cup final in a couple of weeks, so I'll uh, be interested to see how they go. Look, what I, what I will say about that coaching record is St Helens are a powerhouse in the Super League. Mm. They're not going to lose too many games to the teams down the bottom because they just don't have the resources or the talent. So okay. um, those those results can be skewed in a, in a little bit of a way. I think you look at the top teams that he plays, he's still got a good a great record against those teams, but you know, you're beating the They've lost to London this year, but you're beating those teams that are down the bottom. I don't think we can really count that. But uh, Justin Holbrook, you know, these guys, they go over there to Super League and you look at Nathan Brown, Chemis. He went over there, he probably learnt some stuff in his early coaching career, goes over to the Super League, works out some things, comes back a ten-time better coach than when he left the NRL. Well, I think, I also think there's a bit of an element where the Gold Coast Titans might be spooked because when they signed Garth Brennan, the raps were on him as well. A lot of the players and former players and commentators in the game were saying he needs to sign Garth Brennan. He's the next next best thing. Matty Johns, Phil Gould. We're in a similar situation now where everyone's saying Justin Holbrook's the next best thing. So I, I think the part of the Titans are thinking, are we going to make the same mistake again? So I can understand their, their reluctance, but he is the one everyone's saying. Okay, well, let's move on. Um, ladder predictor time. So the NRL.com has got our NRL ladder predictor back. Both of you picked your top eight. Mm. Please take me through who's playing finals footy. Yeah, well, let's have a look. Um, I think I, I had pretty much the same. Uh, here's mine here. Yeah, oh, Storm grabbing those fences. And then eighth position, uh, just because I knew, <laughs> I knew my little mate would blow up. But uh, look, I, I, the Sharks for me, I'm still hanging on. And they weren't pretty last week. They got uh, three out of the next four at home. Panthers are away. Tigers are a very good chance. Broncos have got four of the next five at home. So um, I think that there's only two spots up for grabs. So the top six is set. Oh, order, order is not... Order. Come on, mate. You're sitting on the fence. You told us nothing. Those four, so basically you've told us the Warriors can't make it. That's all you've given us. Oh, my God. Is that about it? Yeah, mate. That's what I said. Come on, mate. What You're not you going to pick just one? Well, uh, just go with your Panthers. I had, I had Panthers, but I'm not confident. Okay. Michael, oh. take me through your top eight. Well, I actually, if you ask me here, I would have said that the Sharks and Panthers are through. But I did the ladder predictor, the back by popular demand, the NRL.com ladder predictor, and somehow the Tigers have snuck in. I, I don't have the Tigers in my eight if you're asking me here and now, but they've on the back of predicting all those games that are still to come, the Panthers miss out and the Tigers are in. I don't think that'll happen, but that's what the predictor's telling me. So they get, to me, <laughs> the, big, the big game is going to be last round, Leichhardt Oval. Tigers v Sharks to finish the season. That could def oh. that could decide the eight. That's going to be huge. Mm. Packed Leichhardt Oval. Could be Robbie Farah's last game. Mm. Massive. Okay. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what the eight is. There's only five teams that can win the comp. Okay. Who's your five? The top five: Raiders, Manly, Roosters, South, and Storm. Okay. That's it. The rest of them are just playing to, to participate. Just playing to play. Well, if you want to be part of that, NRL.com and see your predictions, uh, make sure you go NRL.com forward slash ladder predicted. It'll come up and. You can see what what happens and what's predicted if you can see. Don't, don't sit on the fence, though. <laughs> yeah, you can't pick four teams that are going to finish in eight. That does not happen. Uh, let's get to some more news. Mark Coyne has resigned from the Australian Rugby League Commission uh, yesterday. Peter Beattie did address the, the media. Let's take a listen to what he had to say. And we all know that there's high expectations on the commissioners, and Mark completely understood that. 
and that's why uh, I applaud the fact that he put his own interests behind those of rugby league and that's why he has stood down. We will obviously find a replacement and as chairman uh, I will compile a list and talk to all the other commissioners. Uh, I'll consult the clubs but we will not be rushed. I mean finding appropriate commissioner, the right commissioner, is something that needs to be fully and properly considered. I want to get the best possible people on the commission and I don't believe that those people who are associated with clubs ought to be excluded. Of course they'd have to leave their club but we want the best and brightest on our commission. So a few things there. Mark Coyne did um, resign after an incident in Singapore a few weeks ago. Peter Beattie there talking about the rule change. So basically They've got seven of eight commissions. They need to get another one in there. To do that, he said he's going to take his time, even if it takes the rest of the season. But what is stopping him from picking the best of the best is that uh, you need to be detracted from your club for, for at least three years. And he's saying he wants to scrap that and get rid of it. He used an example, Darren Lockyer. He can't be involved with the commission right now because he's, he's aligned with the Broncos. Michael. Can you sum this up? Do you think that's a good idea? Do you think that well, rule needs to be in place? I wonder if Peter Beattie's got someone in mind. Because yeah. Because I know he's a smart operator, Peter Beattie, and I, I think he would have... I wonder if Phil Gould's in his mind because he's been away from Penrith for a year. Mm. Is he someone that the commission needs? I know you've got a good relationship yeah. with Gus, Look, but he's, he's, he's only, under the current rules, he can't go there for another three years. I, if you talk about getting the best, you talk about the best football brands that I've worked with, and it's been Gus and Wayne. So uh, Wayne's still coaching. I think Phil Gould, if he wanted to do it, he'd have to sit down and, and have a conversation. But if he wanted to do it, then Peter Beattie, he could ask you know, lesser people that know more about the game than, than uh, Phil Gould. So I think that would be perfect. But whether he wants to do it or not, different story. Well, he'd want to go in there and shake things up. It's whether the NRL want to come in and allow Gus control over something. He's, he's, look, let's be fair, he's been critical of the NRL for many years. So if he comes in there, I have no doubt he'll want to shake things up. It's whether they have the, uh, whether they want that to happen. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see which way he goes. All right, time to talk to Penrith Panthers winger Josh Mansour. Thanks for joining Inside the NRL. Thanks for having me. Now, you're coming off a pretty disappointing result against the Raiders, but this week you take on the Bulldogs. Is yep. it a hard one because you could go in complacent against these guys? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, when you play up against sides, they've got nothing to play for. You know, it's definitely a dangerous game for us. But, uh, you know, it was, it was a tough loss yesterday. Um, no doubt about that. I think we were our own worst enemy. And when you come up against the side against Canberra, that, there's a lot of physical battle and they just ex executed every time on all the mistakes. So, yeah, it did hurt. But um, I guess we just have to rectify the issues we, um, we made yesterday and uh, have a big week of training, uh, get a win against the Dogs. Josh, Katie mentioned earlier you take on the Bulldogs, your old mate, Dallin Wateni Zelezniak. Uh, what's that going to be like, given the circumstances, mate? I imagine pretty surprising mm -hmm. how it panned out this year, him moving on from the club, but he seems to have found a home there at the Dogs. Yeah, I'm, I'm stuck for him. You know, Dallin's a champion bloke. Um, you know, he's he was disappointed for him to leave the club, um, but saying that we all wish him luck and um, goodwill, and it looks like he's found his feet at the Dogs. You know, no doubt, um, it matches his values. Canterbury's a very proud family club, and uh, Dallin's um, exact same. So, uh, no doubt, there'll be fire in his belly playing us against this, uh, playing us this week, and we're going to have to match that. Source, you won seven games in a row. You lost yesterday. How much did the slow start to the year affect you guys? Maybe taking extra out of the tank to be able to hold your spot in the eight, because you're right in a five-way battle now mm -hmm. for that last spot in the eight. 
Yeah, to be, to be honest with you, Sal, we're not really looking at it like that. Um, you know, the old cliche, just taking it game by game. Uh, we don't want to focus too much on the ladder at the moment. Uh, we definitely have uh, kind of hit our straps, I guess, in a way. And, um, and again, we still got loads of improvement. But saying that, we did um, we did start slow. Uh, it wasn't the start that we all expected, but uh, it's good that we kind of strung a few wins together and got us back in the eight. And uh, hopefully we can get more wins and... Of course, our end goal is getting that top four position. Well, four of your next five are away from home. What did you change with your attack through those seven wins that you weren't able to execute yesterday against one of the best offensive teams? Because if you guys are to make it, you're going to have to beat some really good teams to get in the eight. Yeah, of course. Um, I think it came down to execution yesterday. Uh, there were a lot of times where we're turning over poor ball, first and second tackle. And um, again, in our in the in their own ten, we just couldn't capitalise on those opportunities. Um, you know, Canberra defended really well. Um, they covered up a lot of areas where we thought we could have exploited them. But uh, yeah, saying that, we just got to go back to the drawing board, um, go back to basics, and um, yeah, I guess I guess defensively as well for us, we weren't um, uh, working really hard for each other in effort areas, and uh, we, they caught us napping a couple of times, which was disappointing. Josh, take us back two or three months ago, because things looked pretty grim for Penrith at some point. You, you, I want you to take me inside the sheds. What was being said between Ivan Cleary and the players? Because, as we said earlier, it didn't look like things were going to progress the way they have. Yeah, no, to be honest, uh, it wasn't the, the greatest vibe around the, around the joint. Um, you know, we had a lot of distractions early in the season, and, uh, you know, going on the losing run definitely really affected everyone mentally. Uh, but, you know, we all stuck together. We all believed in each other. Uh, we, we just wanted to turn it around. And I thought the biggest opportunity for us was against Parramatta, if you look back. And, you know, they were undefeated playing at their home ground at Bank West. Um, you know, the biggest rivalry for us. And uh, it was a perfect opportunity, really, to get back um, to get back in our winning ways. And, you know, it wasn't the prettiest win, but uh, we got it. And um, remarkably, we got, we got on a, uh, an awesome run, which got us in the eight. You have got on an awesome run and you are now in that top eight. But next season, you're going to miss one of your main men in James Maloney going over to the mm. Super League. How much uh, will you miss him and how big of a hole does he leave? Yeah, he'll, he'll leave a massive hole, no doubt, just in terms of his leadership qualities. Uh, he's played so much finals football. He's a big game player. He's the ultimate competitor. And, you know, for a guy that's um, of his stature, he's, um, he's very inspiring. He always puts his body on the line, um, always tries hard for his teammates and... Uh, yeah, he'd definitely be missed, but um, saying that he'll, um, I'm no doubt he'll have a lot of success in the Super League over there. Can you play in the halves? No, 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 Josh, before we let you go, obviously you mentioned James Maloney. A few guys have moved on. We spoke about Dallin earlier, Wanga Blake's moved yep. on, and a lot of talk around Penrith restructuring their roster going forward, obviously in the post field Gould era. Is it... Does the club start, your players starting to believe in the direction the club's heading again? Uh, I don't think the belief ever disappeared, to be honest. Um, you know, with Ivan coming back on board, we always um, loved Ivan as a coach and um, we all felt that he had unfinished business with the club, so it's awesome to have him back. Um, but saying that, you know, there's a lot of excitement coming out our west and it's just time to capitalise on that excitement. You know, we, we've had a lot of hype coming around our team for the last couple of seasons and... Uh, for me personally, um, I, I think it's the right time to kind of hopefully um, make a special year of it and uh, lift up a trophy. Source, good luck this Wednesday, mate. Yeah, Daniela's going in for uh, your second. You're having yeah. a boy. Cristiano Mansour, is that on the cards? Well, you're way off with that one. <laughs> as much as I would love to, as much as I would love that name, it's not going to happen. So um, hopefully, uh, hopefully yeah, everything goes well and, um, yeah, I'll keep you posted.
Josh, good luck with everything. What, what were you going to say, Mark? I was going to say, you might want to work on a new Wi-Fi signal out there. I don't know what's happening, but... Uh... <laughs> I'm in the sticks. I'm in the sticks. Yeah, I was going to tell our viewers, you know, I promise it is Josh Mansour. You can't see him that well, but technology is not always our best friend. But thank you so much for joining us on Inside the NRL, Josh, and good luck with everything this week. Thanks for having me. Of course, you can watch that game on KO9, Fox and our Telstra live streaming app. 5.30, Bankwest Stadium on Saturday, Panthers taking on the Bulldogs. But now... Sweet or sour time? What way are you heading? Oh, sweet. <laughs> uh, sweet again. I just uh, wanted to give everyone in the rugby league community uh, behind the scenes, but also all the fans and everyone that got involved with the Mark Hughes Foundation's uh, beanie for brain cancer round. It was absolutely outstanding. Going out to games, watching on TV, seeing everyone get behind this. Over $3 million raised, Katie. So uh, very well done to the whole rugby league community. And I don't think there's another sport in the world that really gets in and gets behind... Uh, their causes like the people in rugby league. So well done to everyone in the game. That'd have to be my favourite sweet or sour from you yet. 3.1 million and I think it's still going up. It's so great. And and you're right, in terms of players, um, Kurt Gilliard even said when he was in the Super League, the players uh, brought over beanies and they wore yep. it over there. And yeah, you can't think of another code that has that much of an awesome. effect. Yeah. All right, it's now time for hit or miss. Question one, Manly are a real premiership contender. Yay or nay? It is hit or miss, sorry. Hit or, hit or miss. Hit? I don't think I would have said that before last week, but geez, they were good against Manly. I, I'm going to go as far as to say I think they're a, a bigger premiership threat than Canberra. I, I really do. I, I think with the three players, we know that Trebojevic brothers and Cherry Evans, I seriously think they can, and, and especially against Melbourne. Melbourne have got some scars there. There's some bit of demons in, the hist in terms of their history between both clubs. I think Melbourne fear Manly, and we saw that in the lead-up of the, the gamesmanship between Dez and, and Craig Bellamy. I think Manly can give this competition a shake. Yeah, hit for me. They're outstanding on Saturday night. Uh, you look at the way they play their game. They're not structured so much that they can't just play what's in front of them. And DCE is very good at that. He's the best halfback in the game. Tommy Turbo is probably the second or 1A, 1B fullback with uh, uh, Teddy. And then Jake Trebojevic is the best middle forward in the game. So they've certainly got the players there to be able to make some uh, damage in this competition. I think they're, they're right up there. Manly or Canberra? Who's a stronger chance? Manly. Hmm. Yeah, okay. We did a poll. What about Golden Point? Yeah, yes, no. Because oh, we did... Well, I, I, I like Golden Try. Golden Try. Yeah. And I'm not going to work you up. But we did do a he's poll. Gone. We, we yeah, had but close to 5,000 people who we surveyed today on a poll, like or don't like Golden Point. 76.7 said they don't like it. And I think if you're a fan and you do not like Golden Point, something is seriously up with you because it is the best part of the game. How do you not sit on the edge of your seat watching that? Jamie, I'm on your side. I was having a good day until that question came up. You started him now. Golden Point is the most exciting time that you can have in a game. Go back and watch that game. The way it unfolded, the drama in around the last nine minutes of that game and then extra time for me outstanding you can't get rid of it and i know people don't like field goals the only change i would make is you don't play five each way you play just 10 minutes straight and that's your result because you lose all momentum you get back into the swing of the game and um, joel kane's been saying that for years so but you can't get rid of it you can't get rid of it the time for field goals is in regular time no. extra time needs oh, to you're be not that golden try so were you, did you vote? Were you part of that? No, team? I didn't vote because you didn't Good. vote. But I, honestly, I, that spectacle was great. But it would be even better if they just decided that I'd try. I think the time for field goals, and I know you're one of the greatest field goal exponents we've ever seen, but that's in regular time. 
And to me, it needs to finish on a try. It's unfair to finish on a field goal if you can't do it on a, in 80 minutes. You could imagine what our office was like this morning having this discussion. And we had a very good point. If you don't like going into Golden Point, don't watch past the 80 minutes, oh, all right? Yep, yeah, that's it. Question two. <laughs> Callum Ponga deserved to be sin bin. Hit or miss? Miss. Disgraceful decision. Disgraceful. We're, we're treading a, a fine line at the moment now, uh, Katie and Michael, that it's going to cost someone in a big game and we're not going to be able to come back from it. And that's now, it's Kalen Ponga, Newcastle on the bottom, they're, they're outside the eight. They needed him out there to at least give him a chance. I'm not going to say that they would have gone on and won the game, but that there is a fullback, an 85, 90 kilo fullback coming across to try and compete, to put his body on the line to try and help save that game. Accidents happen in our game. It's a physical sport. No way he should have been sent to the bin. Michael? Miss. I'm not the one that's normally critical of the referees here, but I think it's a massive miss. Calum Ponga was trying to get to that ball. When he realised at the very last second that he couldn't get there, he protected himself. Now, unfortunately, the incidental contact meant Michael Cheekham was down, and it was sad to see him the way he was. But I don't know what Calum Ponga... And I heard people say, I don't know what he's supposed to do, but genuinely, I don't know what he's supposed to do there. He's running 100 miles an hour, and at the last second, he realised... He even raised his arm to hit the ball away, but he couldn't get there, and protected himself. I, it's not even a penalty in my mind, but... I think common sense prevailed because he wasn't charged by the match review committee. Yeah. But, there, but that, doesn't, that doesn't excuse the decision. No, it doesn't. It because doesn't. If, if it's going to go to the match review committee, this is what everyone in the rugby league world is getting upset about. It's sin, sin bin, so you would assume that he's going to get one week at least because that's how bad the bunker and the referees must have saw it. He's not going to get suspended. Now he's been given... Now, now they've lost the chance to win the game with their best player on the field. Yeah, well, so the inconsistency between what the refs are doing and what the match review committee is doing is what's frustrating fans and frustrating everyone in the media. I can cop the 50-50 calls, and I know you've been critical of forward passes. I can cop a lot of it, right, because it's sometimes in the heat of the moment, it's hard to decide. But they had time to look at that, and they did look at that, and they decided that it was a penalty. I think they had the time and made the wrong call. So I get your frustration, but I don't think it's panic stations with referees in regards to what everyone's saying at the moment. I tell you what, it'd be panic stations in a month's time if someone misses the eight when it's, it's nine. That didn't, or that didn't cost the Knights. The Knights didn't win. The I know that, the and I'm saying you've got 78 minutes or whatever. Everyone says you've got time before to win the game, but that's a crucial, crucial mistake to make when you're going to send someone to the bin. Mm. When we saw Jake Trebojevic spear tackle on Saturday night, just get put on report. If you're not sure, just put it on report and let the match review committee take care of it. Why are we all of a sudden sending everyone to the bin? Why are we fascinated with sending players to the bin when we're not sure they're even going to get suspended for it? Mm. That's, there's the inconsistency. It's so grey at the moment that no one knows what you're going to get. It's a, it's, a, it's a roll of the dice as to whether you're going to get sin binned or professional foul. No one knows. And the players are getting frustrated from it. Everyone in the media is getting frustrated. Yeah, it's a good point. Good point. All right, to round out hit or miss, the next question is about Ben Hunt. But before we get to that, let's listen to Gus Gould who weighed in on his performance. I want to say about Ben Hunt today. I thought there was some really unprofessional things from him tonight. Some really, I thought it was some poor kicking. I thought he had the wrong boots on. He was slipping and sliding all over. They knew him at different times. He didn't. He came up with a poor effort there. He came up with some poor misses in defence. They rested him last week in a very important time in their season. You know, he opted to take the rest after the Origin series. He needed to come back full of energy tonight, and I don't think he did, I don't think he did it. I can't imagine their highest paid player, even after Origin, and you blokes have been through it, saying, yeah, I'll take a week off. I'll take a week off. Yeah, they were... Pretty big words coming from Gus Gould there. Ben Hunt and the Dragons are not working out. Hit or miss, Michael? I'm going to say hit, but I'm going to be careful what I say because I, 
I think Ben Hunt's in a vulnerable situation. I spoke to him last year about you know, his, his mental health and he was seeing someone help him there. I, I don't think ben, ha ben Hunt looks happy. I'm sort of worried about his mindset coming in, in the Dragons at the moment. I, I know he played really, really well in Origin, but that was at hooker. And the Dragons then need to make a decision. If he's not, if his position is, if his best position is hooker, then they've got to make a decision between Cameron McInnes and Ben Hunt and one of them plays hooker and they go find a halfback. Because if Ben Hunt's not happy and it's not working, then I think it's time that Ben Hunt finds an environment that he feels best in. I, I don't know if he's homesick, he's struggling with our family in Brisbane, but if Ben Hunt, his best football, he took Brisbane to a grand final. I think he hasn't found his love and passion since he's been at the Dragons. He just sometimes looks disinterested. I don't know what he's going through off the field, but perhaps he's a nine, perhaps he's not happy. There's something going wrong with Ben Hunt at the moment. And I think the Dragons need to make a tough decision at some point. Amy? Yeah, I mean, it's a tough one because hopefully everything's all right off-field as well. And sometimes you go through these things as a player where things aren't working for you. And having been at the Dragons, I know probably better than anyone that the Dragons fans can get on you pretty quickly. So um, I would say to, I, would, I would probably lean to the side of hit. I don't think he looks happy there. But the Dragons have painted themselves into a corner here with paying him so much to come down from... Uh, the Brisbane Broncos, they've painted themselves in. They are locked into him being the halfback. If they're going to pay him $1.2 million to play at hooker, the Dragons fans will go berserk because then you've, you've let go Cam McInnes, who'd be on a, a lot less, and you have to go out and buy another halfback. Now, you're not sure what's... I mean, they've got some young kids coming through. They've got some talent there, by all means. But the Dragons fans, when they locked into this contract, it was a $6 million contract, a high price at the time, but... You know, for me, you get what the market can give you. Right now, they're treading dangerous water. Is if they have to change positions, you know, maybe maybe he's not happy in, in Sydney anymore. But hopefully, he's all right mentally, and then they can deal with that. But the season's gone for the Dragons, so now we're just looking to what they do next. Would you take him back at Brisbane if he wanted? To, if that was the issue, he wanted to go home. I don't know if it is. I'd take him back if I'm if Brisbane wanted him back. I'd want two players in exchange. I'd want Katoni Staggs and I'd want Sean O'Sullivan. And, they'd have and to we work leave. out the money. Yeah. Well, look, they, it's, 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 I'm just speculating at the moment. No, there's no suggestion that Ben Danny Ben. No, of course not. Home. But to me, it just seems like something's not right. And maybe it is the weight of pressure that everyone keeps talking about this 1.2 million dollars. He looks a guy who's just struggling with all that pressure. And and you know, as you said, some people can't deal with it. He's a good player. We saw in Origin how good he is. He was one of the better players. But he in played that at series. nine. Well, that's right. So, do you agree that something needs to give in terms of? A decision. It's either Cameron McInnes or Ben Hunt as their nine. One, if not, but one has to go. paid him 1.2 to be a halfback. Well, it's not working not though, gonna, Jamie. Yeah, but you stick with it because you paid him that much. You're gonna have to, mate. <laughs> Otherwise, you're gonna lose Cam oh, McInnes. Mate, what do you, what, I, I don't know Ben Hunt very well, but I'm tipping that if he can get his life in order and be happy, he'd give back some money. It's a lot of money, yes. But the you, guy are you gonna give back some money from <laughs> NRL.com? Yeah. No way. I'm not Go saying the money he's earned already. I'm, Go talking, away. About, I'm talking about going forward. A new Whatever. deal. I'm sorry, if he's had a new deal, I'm not saying he would give Whatever. back what he had. Whatever. But if he's got 1.2 over the next few years, Whatever. if you ask Ben Hunt, his happiness means more to him in terms of if he finds another home and that's where he Yeah, if he finds through. another home, well, that's what I'm saying. He, that's what I'm saying. He'd give back some of that money. Yeah. Players leave give contracts all the time. <laughs> we were just talking about Regan Campbell Gillard leaving mm. his contract potentially. All right, champ or chump? Let's do it. First up, Kalen Ponga had a bit of an incident with a moth on Friday night. Uh, I was actually interviewing post-match. <laughs> 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 
Uh, How's that we were kid? talking serious too. We were talking serious about his sin bin. And How is that kid not a champ? At everything <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, that, he still looks cool. No, he, he looks great. He looks fantastic. Uh, <laughs> I think it was just reaction to being interviewed by Katie. That smile, oh, that smile God. suit. Very good looking cat. Champ. 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 Everything about Caleb Ponga, champ. Yeah, radio. <laughs> All right, last one. Jared Wallace. This is quite interesting. Um, this was actually... Brought up by you. This was your option for champ or chump this week, Jamie. Yeah, well, it's a it's a fantastic effort here, Katie. And and yeah, I'm nitpicking on little things, but when you're down the bottom, I think you know you're looking for those little things as to why you're not successful. Now that's that's great up till there. Um, what follows in the next 25 seconds is, for me, part of the reason why the Titans aren't successful up there. He walked off, subbed himself off, smiled all the way back down at a time where. The Titans are looking to try and create culture, leadership. The next shot was to Mal Meninga and he did not look impressed. You know, that, that's, they're little things that you, you need everyone to be playing your best to win games. And, you know, I would expect Jared Wallace to be angrier and playing better after being dropped for Origin 3, a decider. And we just haven't seen that enough. So the first part of it, champ, but subbing yourself off, smiling, you know, Fans want to see emotion. Fans want, to, and I've dealt with that. I've walked off without shaking hands, and I wouldn't take it back because I, I wanted to win everything I did. Fans want to see you hurt. Fans don't want to see smiling after a game. Fans don't want to see an effort like that. Sub yourself off and smiling all the way. Fair enough. So I'm, you're chumping him at the end. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you on the smiling part of it. I just don't want to be critical of someone because we don't know. Maybe the message went out to him in that defensive set, mate. Last set, you're off. Yeah, Maybe but it just he was coming didn't look anyway. good, mate. It didn't look good. But there was no need to smile. Perception is reality. At a point where they were losing. That's a good point too. We don't know what the what the word was. That yeah, might but have been the time of the game that he was due to come off. He might have been told, this is your last set. When, I, don't, I don't want to be critical on that. But to laugh all the way off in a time where you're losing at a period during the, where the club's going through so much. Mm. Yeah. From, from a guy that's on a fair whack, that's mm. a leader up there, that's... That was more the point I was trying to get at. Yeah. They need the young kids are coming. Photo Waker's been one of their best forwards. You know, he needs to be seeing that that hurts Jared Wallace. And regardless if he's coming off or not, you know, get up, try and at least get back on side, try and just show that you know that you're you're a leader. It's a cliche, but it's the one percenters, isn't mm. it? Is it or is it? You're the it's your show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to throw to you because it's your time to do power rankings. Yeah, power rankings. I do them every week uh, on NRL.com. You can catch them midday every Monday. New number one this week, guys, Manly Seagulls. They are the best team in the competition at the moment, playing what? the best. Mic uh, drop. The what? Storm have gone to number two. And the Newcastle Knights, I know you'll be interested in this one, Chambers, they've dropped down to number 11. Uh, they're teetering on uh, falling out of the eight for good. So uh, every Monday, NRL.com at midday, you can catch the power rankings. All right, make sure you get onto that. Jamie Seward's panker rankings. Panic, panic rankings. <laughs> Manly to the top. These are panic rankings. <laughs> it's Monday. You just said they can win the comp. Well, they can. They're not first now, though. Who's Crazy. playing better than them in top four? Melbourne. Roosters. They just beat Melbourne. Oh, come on. Roosters aren't playing better than Manly at the moment. It's your rankings, mate, and I will, I will tune on. Tune into nrl.com to see tune on. what you have produced. Thank you. <laughs> you two have lost it. <laughs> I'm going to try and spit out these words. All right, Zach Bailey is back tomorrow at 3.55 for NRL Teams. He is with Jeff Toovey and Brett Kamali. Make sure you tune into that one. Until next Monday, make sure you have a good one.